halfway there. You either got less hair or more coming out everywhere. Getting more deaf, worrying about death. All the tires you got are spare. Unexplained coffin while choosing your coffin. Getting some laughs in and choking on taffy. Squeaking more than a dolphin. Rolling at the kids, soiling undies with skids. Wondering if we fucked it up, can we still make the mic drop? Genexing, texting, vexing, exiting. But not yet, not yet. We're just halfway there. Halfway there. Hi, I'm Camilo Fantasia. Hi, I'm Kim Gaynor. Hi, I'm Jenny Tare, and this is Halfway There, a podcast about the new middle age. Only this is a half seaway there, a half baked there. Um, I can't do this right. It doesn't matter. It's charming. We're only doing half an hour, folks, but it'll be scintillating and worth your time. Oh. La 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 la, la half baked there. La 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 la. How is everybody? Stressed. Very stressed. Yeah. Okay. I am traveling on Friday. I'm going to my homeland. Nice. And, um, feel very unready. Still have work, unfinished work projects. Still haven't really laid anything out. The pack. Are you uh, excited that editing you're editing this goddamn call. podcast? Yeah, that's true. Are you excited that you're going to be like a rich, ugly American because the dollar is decimating all currencies? No, I'm going to be a rich, gorgeous American. Okay, rich, Excuse gorgeous me. American. It's like uh, two to one in the UK now, I think, which is the complete reverse of when really? I was there. Yeah, yeah. yeah the, the, I guess the dollar is like wreaking ha- havoc all over the world because it's stronger than it's been. And that, that's actually bad for a lot of places. Because it's the reserve currency, it means that they they have to pay twice as much debt back anyway. <laughs> but it's good as for always, travelers. Educational yeah. podcast, yeah. <laughs> yeah, somebody's got a lot of time on their hands at work. <laughs> I see Me. a cute dog in the background. Always entertaining. Always, of our listeners Kim. cannot see. How are yes. you? I'm good. I'm good. The um, exchange rate is always two to one here in sunny Barbados. It's tied to the dollar, so it does not respond to the whims and ebbs and flows of the market. It's just two to one. Question. Oh, it's pegged to the dollar. But what exactly. do they have? So is it dollar currency or do they have their own currency? It's a dollar. It's a Barbadian dollar. Okay. Okay. So, so I know you'll know the answer to this because you are an, a, an economist or you've, you've develop a deep knowledge of the local economy. Um, why the American dollar, not the British pound, since it's a former British colony? Because uh, the dollar- Because the math is easier. <laughs> okay. Well, I thought because the dollar is the world's reserve currency. Everything's pegged to the dollar. Hmm. Okay. Um, not every currency is All officially right. pegged to the dollar, but it is officially pegged to the dollar here. Well, most are. It's the it's the world's reserve currency. It's what everybody pays their debt back in. So that so basically, you're saying the U.S. is pegging every other country in the world. No, but if you go to other countries, it 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 changes according to the market. It doesn't ever change here. That's the point I'm making. It oh, is always okay. two to one. Right. It doesn't fluctuate. It does not fluctuate um, at all. Oh, okay. Well, I didn't know that. Well, every every currency is pegged to the dollar. It's the world's reserve currency. But I didn't realize. I get it, but that, it's. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I didn't. It doesn't fluctuate. I didn't realize that 
it's very bad for other economies to have the dollar be this strong, which that was news to me. Um, that actually a weak dollar is better for the global economy per everything I've read. Like, yeah, it's, it's, Times, great for, it's, it's worse for everybody else. It's great for if you have American dollars. I mean, that seems to follow, right? I guess it's good for like, it's, it's very bad for global finance. Is that it makes things a lot more complicated. It was like this half seat is already half in the toilet. <laughs> anyway. Like, what is this? Like the McNeil-Lair report? Okay, okay, sorry. <laughs> I'm, well, I'm sorry I asked the question. I didn't know. I thought it was, My I think fault. it's interesting. Basically, it makes other countries more likely to try and actually get their currency detached from the dollar because it wreaks havoc on their economies. So whether or not it's in the end good for the American kind of hegemony is a question mark. That's the stuff I've been reading. Anyway, we can go on to bros. Let's talk about more important things like pop culture. I, I was trying to figure out at Billy Eichner of Billy, of Billy on the Street fame now a uh, Hollywood personality, I guess. He um, He's 44. Is that in our generational bracket? Yeah. Yeah, close Definitely. enough. Close I enough. think so. Yeah. Because he, uh, he recently wrote, co-wrote and produced a gay rom-com called Bros., which was has been was very aggressively marketed as the first mainstream open widely in theaters gay rom-com with like an equivalent budget to say 40 dresses or whatever lose a guy yes (laughs) okay so and it's been a huge bomb Mm -hmm. and i I think uh i think the part of his argument when of the way also every Every single role is, is played by an LGBTQ plus actor. Like yeah. the straight roles are played by gay actors. Everything, everyone mm-hmm. in the movie is yeah. um, gay. Yeah, that was that was uh, that request. was also one of that was also one of its the thing that was heralded about it. Yeah. And it's it's like uh, directed by what's his face who directs Nick Stoller. Oh, the director. So, so it's produced by the Nicholas. Uh, he's not. He's, the director is straight, Nicholas Stoller. But he he directed um, uh, Finding Sarah or Losing Sarah Marshall. He's directed some like famous rom coms. Right. Um, and who's the comedy guru who is like sort of spearheading the whole thing? Judd Apatow. Judd. Yeah, it's a Judd Apatow joint. Like that's supposed to be the feel of it, right? Like it's zany. Yeah yet sweet at the same time, 40-year-old virgin kind of thing. Train right? back, yeah. Mm-hmm. And this interested me because what Billy Eichner was saying is that he grew up watching rom-coms and loves the genre. Mm-hmm. And so this is why he was really driven to have one that had like all the trappings of a big budget rom-com, but gay, right? Mm-hmm. And um, it's totally flopped. I mean massively massively flopped so much mm-hmm. that kim didn't even know about it <laughs> i had no idea <laughs> what that the marketing was but that, that, that's i mean i'm in barbados uh gay rom-coms are not at the top of you know yeah. they're not at the local cineplex yeah. yeah unfortunately not i think what and one of the big issues was that it was the way it was marketed was like this is a groundbreaking comedy this is sort of 
a generational shift in filmmaking. This is how it was marketed. Nothing like this has ever been done before. And so when I saw the preview, it really emphasized the rom-com aspect of it. Apparently it's a really, really, really funny movie. You haven't seen it. That was my next question. So you haven't seen it. It didn't appeal to me because A, we were beat over the head as like this momentous event is something that can't be missed. Gays, wink, wink, like you all need to show up. It's kind of your responsibility to make this a hit. And that Uh, contrarian part of me was like, no, I've seen the preview and I don't usually, rom. I'm not attracted to rom-coms. Why would I? It's like, F that, make a good movie. Yeah. Make, make a good movie. Yeah. And, um, I, and, and if it's a comedy, follow. show me in the preview how funny it is, not the sweet and tender moment. Like, I, I don't care. And then they plastered, you know, the posters are the two lead guys that are grabbing each other's butts through their pants. If I saw that poster with a straight couple, I'd be like, this is not for me. I'm not interested. If you saw, oh, you saw a straight couple grabbing each other's asses, you like wouldn't that's be literally the to the poster. cineplex? Yeah. Um, yeah. Hmm. Because I, I wanted mean, to ask you about- I'm always so it, hesitant to talk about something I haven't seen. I'll be honest. I think that's a really bad thing mm-hmm. that's happened is that people will spout off about something that they haven't even seen or read or experienced. And generally, I don't think it's a great thing in journalism or like culture. Mm-hmm. But I will do it for us. <laughs> <laughs> I think you should. Um, I think you should go off. Okay, so you think the marketing was bad. You yep. know what I said to Shantaine? I was like, this reminds me of when I was begging people to come to my off-Broadway show. <laughs> <laughs> like, that's what his Twitter account seemed like. <laughs> like, the more you want people to come, the less they want to come. You know, and I felt kind of bad for him because I was like, oh, my God, this is giving me PTSD from when (laughs) we would beg people to come and see like our showcases. People can can smell the desperation. Yeah. Yeah. And there's something about it that's really like off putting, even when it's well intentioned. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. And and Kim, not to pigeonhole you, but it was it felt like similar to me for when like Black Panther came out there was a whole like well this is finally the movie for black people that they've been waiting well but the marketing worked so it was a mega fucking hit it was a huge hit and and I'm sorry it was a super entertaining movie yeah and it was also like it was the first Marvel movie right it was a big big like superhero movie not the first one no, no, no. I'm talking about that was specifically a feature, a black superhero, because certainly there's cinema that's about the black experience that's right. been. There are um, also black superheroes that don't have movies, even Marvel yeah. superheroes. Yeah, yeah, that's what that's what it I think. And it was a mega fucking hit. Yeah, you have to. I mean, already you have the built in Marvel audience like it just Marvel audi- movies do well, even when they do poorly, they do very well. Also, that director has a long line of like pretty established huge hits, Ryan Coogler, which is mm-hmm. he did the Creed franchise, he did Fruitvale Station. So it was also like this independent director who was starting to make his way in the commercial realm. And this was like his huge hit. The also comparison to that would be Chloe Zhao, who did like Nomadland and is a small independent director, but did that The Eternals 
which by all accounts was awful it, and nobody went to see. I would say it's not awful. It's just boring. It was not a hit. It's boring. I mean, the movie speaks for itself in the end, right? Like, mm-hmm. doesn't it? Not yeah. Always, and it, but I think but... you can't, You another thing that I was reading is that you can't open a rom-com without stars nowadays, unless mm. you know, an indie thing. If it's an indie thing, but you can't open it on 3,000 plus screens and not have a single. I think that that is a really good point. Like they're really going against the the Hollywood grain by attempting that. Okay. Um, I pulled up a text from a friend of mine, very smart friend of mine who saw the movie. I'm not going to out him. He's a gay man. He did his duty on the weekend it opened. Can I read it to you guys? Absolutely. Yeah. Okay. I think it would be interesting in the context of this. I wanted to like it. I really did. Alas, I did not like either of the central characters and didn't find it at all credible that they'd like one another. Eichner's character is God, good Lord, insufferable. I just wanted my time with him to end quickly and relentlessly it didn't. Early on, Eichner finds himself in the stereotype of a shirtless gay disco. It's not his jam and he hates it, though that merely makes it like everything else he experiences over anywhere. So why is he even a regular there? As a writer, was Eichner so limited to think this is the only place an audience would believe 40-year-old gays congregate? During that scene, the screenplay allows an incisive minor character to comment that the second lead and glancing interest of Eichner is a bore. The screenplay then goes on for nearly two hours to prove its point. Why do I want to hang out with either of these undimensional characters or they with each other? My frustration was that it would have been so easy a few changes in setting and dialogue to bring realism and relatability and richness to the characters in the story, but the opportunity wasn't taken. So I ended up looking at a rough draft whose few genuinely funny scenes didn't justify the time and money spent. I thought you said that was a text, not a My, my first novel. comment is that's a text. Yes, Good it was a text. I'm a text yeah wow it was a text we were having that's like a text you get from your like a text you get from a parent that's right it's a very very brilliant friend of mine who's a great writer but yeah that was a text and i thought that was interesting that billy eichner in and of himself for two hours is not going to be mass mass appeal like even billy on the street while i think it's funny like what do you think of ariana grande's milkshake you know you're like god it's it's you can only take it in doses Uh i'm not exactly sure that was who who was going to be the most like mass of going to have mass appeal to a to a straight you know straight audience as a gay like rom-com lead right Billy Eichner, who's already like kind of a, um, let's say, cultivated taste. Yeah, he's abrasive. You know what I mean? He's very abrasive. He's, he's, I hate to say it. I don't know if he's a leading man. He's a great character, great comic, great character actor. Is Mm -hmm. he a romantic lead? Yeah, probably should not have cast himself. Maybe, maybe. Also, I have to say, I mean, your friend, quote, did his duty as a gay man to see this movie. But really, are we, I mean, I'm sorry to say this, it gets in the hate mail, but we can't even get the gays to stop going to Chick-fil-A. So <laughs> uh, do they really have a duty to go see this movie? And what was the marketing department 
really counting on that yeah. instead of it's just like a movie. Expecting young people to show up and vote. You know what I mean? It's yeah. like, they're not the most reliable. I mean, I don't know. Guilting people into seeing things like right. that there's a moral imperative to watch a movie. I don't know. And I think oh, ironically, oh, I don't know. This, art. Yeah. I, I think ironically, if it had come out, say 15 years ago, it would have felt more momentous. And also cinema was a much more integral, sad, I'm sad to say, part of our That's lives. True. And just yeah. the whole idea of going to a movie theater now, I have for me, which I love cinema, but I really have to be driven to see something. I mean, really driven to actually go to the movie theater. Um, I mean, have, I also yeah. wonder if too, like 15 years ago, it would have opened on a small theater, word of mouth would have built. Mm -hmm. It would have had a longer campaign. It would have been in a movie theater for three years. Mm -hmm. It wouldn't have crashed and burned on opening weekend and gone to streaming. Like the entire, like the entire sort of economic landscape has changed for how many like could it have maybe been open as an indie theater, uh, as an indie film that mm -hmm. that if it found success, yeah, and really expanded instead of just forgoing that? Because I think we still love an indie movie that is so good that it goes mainstream. Everybody yeah. loves that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think we root for like kind of underdog, you know, like things that don't have this massive commercial backing to to capture hearts and minds um yeah but they spent so much money on this they had to somehow make it back so i think that was the thing right so i mean i wish it had been a success like i i do because i i like i like billy eichner i'm i'm glad he's in entertainment um i think he's fun but yeah, it didn't work out. <laughs> so does it, does it, does it make you, do you think there's, a, are there too many entertainment options? Is it that cinema really is dying? Is it what, what's behind so many flops? We have so many flops now. There's just Amsterdam just flopped or were there always this many flops and I'm just. I mean, there, maybe there were that many, but there's a lot of content. Yeah, there's maybe an there's enormous amount. And so that just means that there's going to be there's going to be some more successes, but maybe there are lots more flops as well. The biggest movie of the year will be by far Top Gun by like a billion dollars. I mean, mm -hmm. and that was part of part of part of that is he's one of the last movie stars that everybody collectively remembers. Right. Like you might not like him, but he still casts a huge cultural shadow or you know like people have a lot of nostalgia attached to him and he insisted that the, the movie only be released in movie theaters I don't think it'll stream for another year mm -hmm. um I do think we've seen the last of like the sort of universal movie star I think entertainment has become nicheified and balkanized which is part of the streaming model and maybe the way that the culture itself is polarized and more um I mean, I definitely think there's been a kind of like culture war element has been attached to entertainment, which I don't particularly like. I don't think it's good for artists to like be be expected to fulfill a political mandate always with their art that it has to achieve an ideological function because then you're basically asking every piece of art to become propaganda ultimately. So I don't know, I think, 
I think it's a lot of things. I mean, technology is a humongous part of it, right? It's like a huge part of it. I mean, I was talking with Kim. I saw Blonde. I think I'm the only person on the internet that liked it. I mean, I loved it. I thought it was beautiful. I know a lot of other people not only liked it, but found it like offensive or, you know, morally um, bankrupt and exploitative. And how long of a standing ovation did you give it? 12 minutes in my living room. (laughs) Yeah, just like in Venice. Um, But, you know, everything also, have you guys noticed how everything kind of like, there's like this bubble of outrage and then it just fucking dissipates. Yeah. One can be outraged about everything all the time. I mean, it has to dissipate for life to go on. I know. But do you think there's going to be somebody like a year from now going to be sitting there, oh, blonde. (laughs) What did you just unearth Marilyn Monroe and killed her all over again? Yeah. No, no, because there'll be other stuff to be outraged about. I mean, I'm I'm with the poi poloi, uh, perhaps. I thought it was exploitative. And um, I, you can't, perhaps it was just some woman who, a story that was not tied to a real person. I don't think you can get around that. And, and the fact that, you know, she lived and died by Hollywood sword and men who, tried to exploit her and that someone's making money off of this is just distasteful to me it's gross but and also it's just like I'm watching and I'm like looking at these weird threesome scenes where she's like writhing in a movie and I'm like did I miss a chapter like Marilyn Monroe's life like why this it's so random and it's just some dudes like it is so some dudes like Marilyn Monroe fantasy but it was it's it's a it's fictional and it's also it's a um uh it's by joyce carol Oates. she wrote the book that the movie is based on he this is her book in like film form i mean you know i liked it again i liked it other people didn't i don't think that makes me a bad feminist or like you're such a bad feminist such a bad feminist but i do think art takes on this kind of like weird political moral kind of battleground that i i don't think is good and it makes going to the movies a fucking drag is and there so- no one that you would like watch a movie about a real historical character that if they you know plopped this person in a movie theater getting like giving hand jobs and writhing around with a threesome that you might think this is just a tad bit distasteful because this person was real and someone i admired Yes. No yes. one you can think of. Yes, Bernie Sanders. <laughs> right. What if I did that to Bernie? How would you? I feel, feel like I didn't know Bernie oh, was God. so sexy. Did you, did you see um, that movie where FDR gets a hand job in the car? It's that movie where like print <laughs> Queen Elizabeth or somebody comes to visit him. There's a hand job in him. this too, isn't there? With uh, with it's, but it's our it's JFK. Yeah. I don't know. Mm-hmm. I think, I, yeah, 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 yeah. That's a pretty intense. Yeah. At the end. Yeah. This is much better handled in the marvelous Mrs. Maisel when she has to like entertain these women. I don't know if you've seen this episode or even watch it, but no. she's she's got she's the entertainment for this for Jackie and like some fundraiser and these other women, and she just like makes her crack about JFK and Marilyn, and Jackie starts crying. Oh no! <laughs> oh really? Oh, but she's making really funny jokes. So, so yeah, the, that show is great. What's that? Okay. 
What's that? I have a question for you too. Is there a movie you saw in your like youth? Since we're old now, we have to bring this podcast always back to us being old. Uh Is there a movie that you guys saw that you're like, fuck that movie, even like 30 years after? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Really? That we liked or... Or no, that you're like, fuck that movie and fuck that that film ever got made. And like that movie fucked me up and like from your youth or... Like Wait, in your fuck me up or what you fucked, that you were like that you were like hated like even now when you think about the movie you're like I fucking hated that but just to clarify and also hated back then when we were young yes like something that okay. stuck with you even 30 years after the fact you're like I fucking hate that movie I I don't I don't know that I hate but but I remember being really unmoved and just sort of blase about et what <laughs> this, you like, have this like and it's sort of part of my lifelong eh, about spielberg that i just there's there's something about his movies not all some of them i really really like that just somehow doesn't reach me I just, it seems to manufacture to how, I, it was the first time as a child I realized like this is very sort of constructed and artificial seeming to me, too tidy in a way. Yeah. Um, I think I like messier things. And I just, I, I know it's a controversial stance, but it was just as a child even, I was like, eh, what was I, eight, nine years old? Yeah, it was. I think before that, every movie had been like, "Holy shit!" Like, look at this creation. It's on a big screen, which is the only way I could see things back then. Anyway, that's mine. But I don't hate it. But it was more like. Eh. So you don't you don't actually have an example of what Jen is asking. I'm, she's I'm thinking like unabiding like hatred, like yeah. strong feelings, right? I. I can't think of anything. I don't think I I can't think of anything that could really make me that upset. I mean, I hate like, that I would still be that. harboring it 30 years later, but I don't know. I I I it I comes find to Shrek mind. unwatchable. Shrek? Yeah. I think <laughs> that's you hate you hate entertainment that children love. Shrek is really delightful. I mean, what are you what's your problem? Yeah, Shrek is really cute. It's I, I just I don't think it's funny it's it's all references and I think that was the issue I hadn't lived in the U.S. that long so when it's just a st- stream of pop culture references catering to the adults watch because I would have been an adult when I saw it I don't know I was just like this is off-putting and sort of clicky in a way sort of culturally clicky you felt left out of the club is what you're saying but it's not funny I mean on. it's it's really ugly it wasn't looking. funny to you <laughs> Yeah, it was. It was a huge hit. That doesn't that's mean another I, movie we, that's a huge hit. We've established that that doesn't, doesn't reflect on okay. the quality of something. In fact, I have to say, I don't have one, but I will never forget going to see The Color Purple with <laughs> one of the few occasions that I can actually remember um, seeing a movie with both of my parents. Um, yeah. And I guess I must have, I had to have been at least 12 or 13 or otherwise they wouldn't have let me see that movie. I'd have to look at the year, but my dad walked out of the movie. He did? He, he did, he did. He was very highly incensed and offended by 
the portrayal of black men in that movie and has always, you know, since then, uh, hated the movie years later. So. Have you, do you, how do you feel about that movie? Like, have you seen it recently or did you like when yeah, you were watching it? I think it's, I think it's a, I think in many ways it's a, a great movie. Right. I mean, yeah. uh, it's Alice Walker's material. Um, yeah. who in, in, in more recent years has become like a problematic quote unquote care, uh, you know, personality but um yeah the book and the material is deep and I think that it draws on a lot of really real history and um you know I hate to say trauma but obviously trauma and 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 culture and joy and you know like um peccadilloes, I guess, of, of African-American culture. And I thought in many ways it was really successful. Yeah. Um, even watching it then, it just seemed like true. There were some things that I didn't get, but you know, it's like as a kid or a younger person, even if you don't understand every nuance, it can, you sort of get a sense of whether this is true or false. Yeah. And it's it, it rang true, and and I've seen I've seen it recently, and I still think, yeah, there's a lot about this movie. It's a tough movie. I, if I was a black man, I probably wouldn't like the movie either. Yeah, but that shit was real. Yeah, yeah, I remember seeing it when I was like a young teen, and thinking it was really good. You know, like that yeah. was one of my that was one of my exposures into like movies as art. Like, yeah. oh, this is yeah. more than just like, oh, this makes me feel things and think about things. Um, E.T. was one of the first movies as a kid that like made me cry. That and Watership Down. Oh my God. Uh, Watership <laughs> Down like really fucked me. I mean, I was like, oh my God, the bunny rabbits. Are- I never saw the movie, but I, I read the book and remember being like, I can't get into this. Like I'm supposed to like these bunny rabbits, but like- but they look delicious they look delicious to me Uh, (laughs) Um, hey we did it we did it we did it we did a half c that's it okay we did a half c boom bam. thank you ma'am boom (laughs) listeners tell us if there's a movie that still sticks in your craw to this day and if you saw bros and blonde the b and b okay (laughs) um that would be really cool yeah, I don't know. I still might go and see bros. I'm going to go and see bros and write you guys a two-page text about... <laughs> okay? Uh, uh, All I see is her scrolling, 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 <laughs> scrolling, I love that after I read that, the response was like a pause in the air and you guys are both like, that's a text? <laughs> um, it was very well written. And also, that's a text? Yes. <laughs> Um, yeah. Well, Camilo, have an amazing time in your homeland. Thank you. I shall. Bon voyage. Uh, how do you say it in Spanish? <laughs> buen viaje. Oh, buen yes. viaje. Bien ah. viaje. <laughs> Already picturing just like the half the episode. <laughs> <laughs> um, follow us on social media at Halfway There, the podcast. 
yes. please donate to our Patreon so we can improve our tech um, and get gifts and things. That's mm-hmm. also at Halfway There, the podcast. And write us, Kim. Write us at Halfway There, the podcast at gmail.com. You all know what Gmail is. You've heard of it. Mm-hmm. Use it. Yeah. Uh, leave yeah. us a five star only Please. review on Apple Podcasts. Or if you object to Apple Podcasts for any reason, then whatever you're using. Thanks oh. for listening. Fantastic. Keep it perky. Keep it perky. And keep it perky. Keep it parquet? Parquet, yeah, always. <laughs> Bye. This was a half-baked there. A half-seas episode of Halfway There. Use it to scare off a bear. Or don't. Like, we don't care. <laughs> <laughs>